I tell you what, it feels like it's been a month since I've been back in the saddle. It hasn't been a month, it's been like a two weeks. I, uh, I guess it's been two weeks. Welcome back to the hell show is this monochrome. Oh, we are going to be doing more bleach today because I officially decided that I'm not doing the chapter reviews weekly anymore because, I mean, nobody's listening to them. It seems like one person is out there listening to at least one piece partially at times, but like really the only thing anybody's listening to is this. So I'm going to cut it down to just one episode a week and it's going to be one series at a time. Um, I guess off top, we can kind of mention some of the stuff from the weekly chapters, like anything that I noticed so, um, Black Clover is kicking into high gear. <laughs> um, that they revealed that there is another, like, high devil <laughs> in, uh, in, you know, hell or what, whatever the dimension is called, wherever it's called, called Astaroth, who is a time magic user, which there you go again, gravity, space, and time. Um, so that was revealed to be, um, <laughs> Julius Novacrono. So that, that, and it, it the, the other, uh, the other spade kingdom evil sibling was posing as him. So it's like, Oh, Oh no, man. <laughs> this is kind of crazy. It's a great, it's kind of a crazy twist. And then they said, okay, so black Clover is going on like a three month break for the, uh, the final arc. So Yeah. And then I can't remember what happens in the battle uh, between Dobby and Sh uh, Shota. Can't remember. It's it, it was good if I remember correctly. And then I can't remember One Piece well either. I got to reread them. But the Black Clover one stuck out as like a particular yo moment. <laughs> Especially after everyone was kind of, you know, shitting on it for a while. Uh, where are my notes? I need my notes. There we go. All right. So, Bleach. What happened last time when we left off on Chapter 509? The Captain Commander had just gone Bonkai and completely, well, not completely, but had defeated Yuabak. But Yuabak seemed to be apologizing to himself. 
So there's some shenanigans going on here. So let's get into it. We start on a flashback. Uh, stating that Royd and Lloyd were mistaken for each other by the doctor and nurse who delivered them. They couldn't figure out who was older, so the parents were misinformed and they couldn't figure it out either. So that became kind of irrelevant to them. And they realized at age five that they were identical because they mimicked each other in the womb. And at age 12, realized they could mimic other humans. I don't quite understand the part where they realized they were identical at age five. I, I guess it's saying they realized the reason why they're identical, which I don't know. That seems like a weird detail that just leaves me with more questions than answers. And I would just rather not think about that. It's weird. It's weird. I mean, twins are just kind of born, aren't they? Or you, I don't know. It just seems like extra sauce that doesn't need to be put on this at all. So, Lloyd, the older, could mimic others' powers and skills, while Royd, the younger, could mimic others' memories and mind. Both can mimic, while both can mimic appearance. So, that kind of explains what happened here. The older brother was taken out earlier by Kimpachi. He's the one who turned into Kimpachi, and, and he said, I basically had to be stronger than my reflection. Meanwhile, Lloyd here, <laughs> he only mimicked Yuabok's memories and mind, so he was able to basically play the part, but he couldn't do anything. So, at this realization, Yamamoto is obviously incensed, realizing that it's not Yuabot. So, suddenly, he, he, the first division barracks are completely just destroyed, exploded. And Yuabot menacingly appears behind Yamamoto. And the, the decoy is indeed revealed to be Lloyd Royd, who is also Stern Ritter Y, the yourself. It's still weird. It's not weird that they're both Y. I mean, they both have of the same power, but it just operates differently. But this is an interesting case because the other ones, um, they seem to have mentioned that they were given a letter which to this point has kind of, oh, I think one of the ones from earlier might have actually said that it was, uh, it was the power that was provided to them by Yuabak as opposed to just the letter. But I can't, I can't remember that detail. Um, it's been a minute. It's been like a good week since I've looked at Bleach, but this is the, I think that, uh, this is a, this is an example of someone who already had some kind of power. Now it doesn't seem to have been a Quincy power 
It might have been a Quincy bag. I'm not sure. Some of this stuff is a little muddled up. Um, let's just move forward and keep that in mind that these two characters have been expressly explained to have been born with the powers that they had, whereas a lot of the other characters are said to have been provided a letter by Yuobot. So, Yuobot commends uh, Lloyd on her. Wait, what? He commends Royd. So I have to be. I must have typoed there on a job well done. Before destroying him completely, like a good, like a good leader does. Guy, such a fucking asshole. So, when Yamamoto asks him what he's been doing, Yuobok shoots back by asking, what is below the first division barracks? Much to Yamamoto's shock. So, that's when it's revealed that the central underground prison where Sosuke Aizen is held is under those barracks. And Yuobok reveals that he went to go see Aizen. And, obviously, Aizen turned down his offer to join as a special force. So then he asks Yamamoto if he used all of his power. To which Yamamoto says, of course not, and tries to use Bankai again. However, brilliant move. He finds his Bankai stolen by Yuabak himself. And he says, who else could have controlled it? He says, it's not that we couldn't steal it. It's that who else could have controlled it? And of course, because it, it was, because it was, uh, which one? It was Royd Royd. It was Royd who was pretending to be Yuobak. So it wasn't actually him. And then he proceeds to do something kind of really cool. Um, he threatens to wake Yamamoto's dead men before summoning this huge Reishi sword. And it's cool because it's summoned with like this giant Reishi bow that shoots an arrow and the arrow that lands is the sword. He pulls it out of the ground and he just immediately slices Yamamoto. It's kind of, it's kind of a harrowing scene things are not looking happy so then we see a flashback there's a young Kyoku he's in Yamamoto's room being berated for entering without asking and he's asking him about this painting and it's obvious it's a painting of Yamamoto himself cloaked in flames it's pretty cool which Yamamoto replies, he says, it's a monster that came to Soul Society once. He says it'll never show up again, but if it ever does, he'll probably never return. He, speaking of himself, Yamamoto is. 
So it's at this point that we flash forward and we see Yamamoto's top half falling to the ground. Kyoku and Ukitaki both feel it with their very deep bond, almost like a, a paternal bond to Yamamoto. Kyoku even screaming out his name. Well, screaming out Yama. That's what he calls him. Old Man Yama. And he gets shot yet again by Colonel Sanders. Because he, you know, he loses his focus. So, as Yulbach goes to leave Yamamoto, he calls his demise pitiful and calls out to the blonde man, finally giving his name, Hashvalt. Hash, Hashvalt? I'm going to call him Hashvalt. Suddenly, Yamamoto's body grabs a hold of Yuabak's cloak, only for Yuabak to cut the arm off. I mean, that's one of those, like, weird rigor mortis things. Well, not really. This is anime, dude. This is manga. This ain't, this ain't nothing that happens in our real world. This shit is different. So, he calls Yamamoto a half-wit. I think in the original scan I read, probably Manga Panda, he called him a blockhead. <laughs> so silly. But he calls him a half-wit, stating Yamamoto couldn't understand why he wasn't considered one of the five they were concerned with. Again, those five special talents. That it seems that, ich that Ichigo and Kimpachi are part of. And, I mean, you could probably... You could probably guess who some of the other ones are. Um, he points out Yamamoto could have healed his arm if Orihime was here, but he didn't want to exploit humans. He didn't want to get in humans involved in Soul Reaper affairs. He continues on that Yamamoto hesitated to get Ichigo involved in the battle with Aizen and that he put Soul Society on his back. And lost. This is all true. This is all very true. This is Yamamoto. He did not want to get Ichigo involved in anything. So then, like a great showing of disrespect, he puts his foot on, I'm pretty sure, the back of Yamamoto's head. He says he's gotten weak. He calls back to the original Gote 13, calling them a group of cold hearted killers that only Yamamoto could keep in line. He finishes by saying the Soul Society will die, but the Gote 13 died with them a thousand years ago. And he then obliterates Yamamoto's body. Just nothing, nothing left. All of the captains notice this. They all notice what's going on. Nuobak then instructs Hashvald uh, to have the Stern Ritter thoroughly devastate the Soul Society. The Stern Ritter then all summon the Soldat, who are just common soldiers. That that word means soldier. It's very close. I mean, I'm pretty sure English has Germanic roots. I'm sure it partially comes from Latin, but also it's it's got Germanic roots. Um, so the soldat 
overrun and overpower the soul reapers i mean they they come in like a swarm of locusts it's kind of scary even reading through it i can't imagine what it's going to be like animated i cannot wait oh my god so Uobox says they'll retreat and return when the zero division arrives which i i think the zero division has been mentioned before Apparently, earlier on, they were mentioned as guardians, protectors, even of the royal family. Um, that's an interesting concept, the royal family. See, I don't remember that at all. There's a soul king, but royal family there is not. It's a different concept. We'll we'll get more into it. The, the most I will spoil right now is to say there is no royal family. But I will also say we are about to get into the zero division and related topics pretty soon, like very, very soon. Suddenly. As they're preparing to retreat, there is this this huge blast. A hole bursts open in the sky above Yuobak. Akon has finally opened up the way for Ichigo from his end. As he falls down with his back full of knives. These big black daggers. So Ichigo confronts the guy who... Um, who did this to Akon, Shaz Domino, who's a stern ritter, who it's kind of comical, but also it's just badass Ichigo seriousness. Cause you you haven't even seen Ichigo at this point. You just know it's him. Um <laughs> He literally says, I'm stern I am uh I'm Shaz Domino, a stern ritter. The power his majesty gave me is, and then just, doom, just smashes him, just kill. Just, I don't, I'm guessing he's killed, because I think that's the only time you see him. So, yeah, Shaz Domino, we don't know what he could do or anything that he, all we know is that his weapon of choice was a reishi, or reishi knives, daggers, rather. So Ichigo makes his way to the battlefield. And everyone realizes that he's arrived. He goes straight to Byakuya telling him, well, not straight to him. He first checks on Rukia and Renji and he goes to Byakuya and tells him they're alive. Byakuya tells him he doesn't have much time and that he's embarrassed for having led Soul Reapers to their death, which I understand. Also, this is war. I mean, he had no idea how powerful these guys were. Nobody did. Like, there were only a few that very quickly realized, holy shit, we can't win this. We need help. And I mean, Akon was pretty much at the forefront of that movement. And he points out, Ichigo as a human should not be involved, and he asks forgiveness for the audacity of his request. Please save the Soul Society. Byakuya is finally, like, figuratively dropping to a knee and asking for help. It's very out of character for him. It's not even out of character, it's like a development. He 
he is desperate. And it's, it's, it's a great moment. It is a very powerful moment. Um, it's a very powerful moment. We're, we're going to return to this moment later because I will have things to say. Um, yeah, there, and there's that, there's that idea again. It, uh, Byakuya also not that keen on getting Ichigo involved in these things. He kind of wants to not leave him out, but just not have to rely on him is more so the general consensus. It seems like there's a lot of captains that are of those two different minds. The ones that are like, nah, we don't need to involve the substitute. And then there's the ones that are like, no, Ichigo is good for this. We need, we need to contact Ichigo. Right now, it seems like pretty much everyone is more so of the latter mind. Now, Yuabak and Hashwalt realize Ichigo has arrived, and they decide to just leave. They decide to go, but Ichigo heads them off before they can leave. Now, Byakuya knows that although Ichigo had no response, he knows his answer, and he's counting on him. I mean, he's fought the guy quite a few times. He's fought alongside him quite a few times. He understands him. He knows that Ichigo not answering his request by saying, I will, he knows the answer already. Everybody kind of knows that Ichigo has the mentality of a savior. He wants to save people. He wants to protect people. He wants to protect them first and foremost. And if he can't protect them, then he wants to save them. I mean, he is a, he is and he is a shonen protagonist that's what they do that's their bread and butter and also a lot of the time they have some massive aspiration ichigo does not he just is a protector meanwhile you know you've got naruto wants to be hokage luffy wants to be king of the pirates um asta wants to be wizard king it's- it's typical stuff. You know how this works. You know. And then Byakuya's sword crumbles. It's kind of scary because it seems like he's actually gone. I mean, it, it, it looks like he's actually gone. That's crazy. It It's crazy to me. This character has been around forever. And it's hard to imagine being without Byakuyakushiki in Bleach. He seems like such a mainstay. And I mean, man, yeah. It's it's kind of tough to it's kind of tough to think through that. But let's continue. So Hashvald steps forward to confront Ichigo, but Uobox stops him. He commends Ichigo on escaping Opie's jail and asks if he intended to fight in his current state. Because he's still all fucked up from the battle with Opie. Like, he's he's still pretty jacked up. That it, he, mm, he won and he escaped. But also there was an assist from an unknown character. Um, of course, we know what Ichigo's going to do here. We, I know how his brain works. So, you you know too. 
he asks Yuobok if he's the leader. And then Yuobok gives just this, this, this part is kind of weird too. He gives this roundabout answer of, I, I, um, I may be, but I, but I may not be something like that. And I'm like, oh my God, why, why would you, why not just say yes? So then Ichigo rages out and he goes, I'm at a, well, just hit my printer tray. Let's put that away. Let's put that away. Um, I guess it's because of the wording. He was wanting the wording for Ichigo's question because he asked if he's the leader of the bad guys. And he said that I might be, I might not be, I don't know. But then when Ichigo asks if he's the one who destroyed Soul Society, he says, that I did. So Ichigo then powers up as the Quincy's resolve to take him down. He fires a Getsuga, a Getsuga that seems to land, but from that smoke, you see Yuobok's hand come out. He grabs, he grabs Ichigo's arm and plants him in the ground. He blocks a strike from Ichigo and he stabs him in the neck, it looks like. He then says that he'll he'll put him under he'll put Ichigo under his command. You uh does. But then he notices a familiar pattern on Ichigo's neck blocking the strike. Blut vein. We're not done yet. This is only like <laughs> we're 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 not even halfway through this little stretch of draft chapters that I've picked out to read, <laughs> and we already got like a big, big, big thing. So that's that's huge. So of course, this is where you might groan and be like, "Oh my god." Get in line, everybody. There's a lot of people that groan about this, this, these turns of events that are going to be seen in the, in the coming chapters. Um, I'm not going to spoil anything. I'm just going to leave that hanging and continue on because, you know, that's what, that's what I'm here for. I'm not here to spoil. I am here to kind of just, Lay it all out. So Yuobok, blocking a strike from Ichigo, calls him a failure. He then, he then comes in for another strike, which Ichigo blocks, but Yuobok, um slices away some of Ichigo's Heiori, which it should have cut Ichigo. The slice, the, the cut that he made should have cut Ichigo. So Yuobok then states that he made a mistake having a full blood Quincy hold Ichigo and that he should have used a damn Aran car as he put it. <laughs> he says having him go up against Opie and his jail caused the memory within Ichigo's spiritual pressure to awaken. While Ichigo was wildly trying to escape the jail, the remnants of his spiritual pressure not only returned to his body, but also absorbed the energy around him. He then states that the jail can only capture an enemy, not a Quincy. 
I'm making faces, but this is an audio medium. Uh, uh, you're starting to you're starting to see where this is headed. Um, it's kind of crazy. When Ichigo asks what the hell he's talking about, because of course he does, Yuobak says he knows nothing. He says you know nothing about yourself, even your own mother. He then says he's going to take Ichigo back and re-educate him, but he'll take him by force instead. So Ichigo again screams for him to explain, to which Yuobak says he'll explain at the Vondenreich. Pretty cocky, but also he's. He would, at this point, he would just take Ichigo by the throat. Like, no questions asked. And then he, uh, he gets, he gets up on Ichigo, he grabs him by the hair and promises to truly pierce him. Suddenly, a shadow appears under Yuobak and Hashvalt says that it's time. They've reached their limit outside of the Schattenbereich, Schattenbereich, which is shadow area, which isn't like really explained here. A lot of their concepts aren't totally explained. They just kind of mention them and move on. I don't think this one is totally explained later. We'll have to come back to it, though, because, you know, we'll, we'll have to come back to it. So Yuobak says, you know, that can't be, but then he remembers he spoke to Aizen, who surely, he says, oh man, that, that Aizen, I'm a, I must have lost track of time. Like he, Aizen did something, he affected him, he lost sense of time, he warped his sense of time while Yuobak was speaking to him. So Ichigo, of course, tries to stop them, but somehow Tensuzangetsu is broken by Hashvald. Before leaving, Yuobak tells Ichigo he'll return for him and calls him his son born in the darkness. It's the name of the chapter, if I remember correctly. It's a pretty good one. Kubo is always so edgy and dramatic with his chapter names. It's, I mean... They're good, they're very inventive. Sometimes they're a little much, but like I've always been a big fan of his uh of his chapter titles. Fun stuff. Interesting guy. So Division 4 is beginning to collect the wounded for healing. Vice Captain Isane asks Unohana if it was right for them to stay in their barracks while their comrades were injured and killed. Unohana tells her not to let her emotions get the best of her, as the last order from Yamamoto was to remain in place. It was for Squad 4 to remain in place because surely he knew that the casualties would be high and he knew that they needed to they needed to chill, basically, and con- and conserve themselves for when they were needed. As opposed to running headlong into things and trying to, you know, ending ending up in the mix and possibly being being killed. It's very it's it's pretty smart. It's wise to keep their healing unit held back. 
Um, and Isane also notes that this upsets Unohana more than anyone, which obviously it does because she's the leader of she's the leader of Division Four. She wants to get them out there and heal people, but she knows she cannot. I, you can't imagine. So, elsewhere, Akon's telling Ichigo that everyone in Hoikomundo is safe. And nearby, Ikaku is screaming that there's no way his captain was defeated. Hanataro is also trying to heal. He's trying to treat Ichigo's wounds, but Ichigo refuses. He says, nah, I'm good. Heal the other people. There's a lot of stuff going on. This is kind of a... It's kind of a boisterous area. So then uh, Shinji shows up, you know, the leader of the Visards, captain of uh, Division 5. He shows up to tell him, to tell Ichigo that Rukia and Renji have been treated with reishi suturing and they're in the clear now. But before before Ichigo can leave, Rukia calls out to him to thank him for saving the Soul Society. Then Ichigo is like, uh, you, you know, I, I didn't do him. I didn't do anything to which Shinji rightfully tells him he needs to stick his chest out more. He needs to kind of take some, resp- not responsibility, but take some credit for some of this, some of this shit because he drove the enemy away. He did drive them away because they were, they were avoiding him. They don't totally know that yet. So then Ichigo is called away by Kurutsuchi about his Zanpakuto. Rukia then notes that she noticed Ichigo seemed troubled as if he's hiding something serious. And you have no idea. So the captains are meeting. The commander's body could not be recovered as it was completely annihilated. And then a soldier arrives. I think it's one of the uh, stealth squad soldiers um, to report that Byakuya and Kimpachi both survived, but may never be able to carry out their duties again or even regain consciousness. Soyphone just she flies off the handle. She she gets some moments in the in this stretch. She yells at this dude for um for him to get out and that they don't need to hear a report such as that right then. And then of course Kensei berates her for her reaction. And they they bicker for a minute and then Komamura just rails on rails on her and is just like do you really think you're the only one here who wants to scream right now? And that kind of puts it into perspective. And then Kyoraku with a sweet eye patch. Like he he looks like he looks like a fucking secret agent at this point. He's got an eye patch, he's got the 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 hat, and then he's got the kimono. He is just he's just too cool for school. He's like literally the one of the top three coolest characters in the whole series i feel kind of confident i feel more confident saying top five for sure um he steps in to quell the fighting he says you know yamamoto would line them up and smack them for behaving the way they are which is true 
Um, he states, the Gote 13 exists not to cry for those who have died, but to protect the soul society and that they should look ahead. Showing a lot of leadership. I mean, he is one of the oldest among all of them. So, and we see somebody, seemingly Gote 13 at this point, or similar. And it seems like a group of people gathering. But they're each um each division has a different flower that is kind of represents them and I I guess it's like their beliefs overall. I haven't totally wrapped myself around that idea, but this is a new one. So who 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 is this? The only guess is that it's squad zero. Division Zero. You'll probably hear me call them divisions and squads interchangeably. I've tried to stick with division, but just just know division and squad are interchangeable. Now, back in the Seirete, Kurutsuji tells Ichigo that it's impossible to fix a broken Bonkai. Um... Of course, Ichigo contests that because he's like, you fix yours all the time. Kurutsuchi's like, I don't fix mine. I modify it because he's a mad scientist. He continues stating that. Um, a, a, a Zanpakuto broken in. Um, how does he say it? Um says the only things that can heal a Zanpakuto are its possessor's mind and spiritual pressure. So Ichigo says, okay, so I should go fix it, from, fix it myself. Thanks for nothing. Before he can leave, Kurutsuchi tells him that a destroyed Bankai will never return to the way it previously was. That's a bombshell for Ichigo. He states that there are exceptions, like Komamura's Bankai, uh... What is it? Kokujo Tengen Myo. It is so tightly tethered to Komamura that when he sustains injuries, or that he sustains injuries when it is damaged or broken, and vice versa. But it will also heal as he does. So if it's broken in some way, it will heal as Komamura does. He also Spills the beans about Ikaku's Bankai, uh, Ryoman Hozuki Maru, which it's revealed because Ikaku is a third seed. So it's kind of like you don't think he's going to have Bankai, but he reveals it pretty early. He He's fighting one of the Arankar in the beginning of the Arankar arc. One of, I think it's one of, yeah, it's one of uh, Grimjow's Fraction, Edorad. Um, he basically hits that point where he's like, oh man, I it's a good thing no one's around. I guess I'll have to do this. And he goes, Bankai. It's a pretty it's a it's an interesting Bankai. It's it's alright. Um Kurutsuji spills the beans because Ikaku wants that to remain a secret, but he states that it was superficially fixed, but is far weaker. Akon fixed it. And then, of course, he adds in uh, Renji's, uh, what is it, uh, Hihio Zabimaru, 
He says the blades of Hihio Zabimaru that Byakuya Kuchiki broke when they battled in the Soul Society arc are still broken. That's a crazy, that's a crazy discovery. So now there's even more drama because we don't know how Ichigo is going to go about repairing his Zangpaktor if he even can. But we'll find out. And suddenly Khan runs in, trampling Ichigo. We haven't talked about Khan. So Khan is like a an artificial spirit, an artificial soul that um I don't remember the whole story, but basically when Ichigo first became substitute soul reaper, like when he used his powers, he has to like leave his soul he has to leave his real body. And uses like his soul reaper body. So Khan was the artificial spirit soul that was put into his body and was supposed to kind of allow Ichigo's body to navigate life and just be normal while Ichigo went off and fought hollows. And I think Khan kind of like took his own liberties and did his own shit for a minute and then Ichigo had to rein him in and they've kind of been allies, but we haven't seen Cone in a while, if I remember correctly at this point. And he's kind of an annoying character. He's one of those side comedy characters that's like, I won't say bad, but just not like super relevant. So he's huge and muscular and has apparently had some development. Um, now, much to his chagrin. Ichigo doesn't even recognize him in this new form. And before he can explain his recent history of suffering, as he puts it, um, Kurutsuchi promptly deflates him using a remote and tries to continue on with what he was saying. But he gets a call. Um before even addressing that, he starts to leave and tells Ichigo that he needs to come with so he can meet them. The Zero Division. When they arrive at the platform, all the other captains have assembled to await their arrival. Shinji explains that they are coming from the Soul King's palace. Kyoriku further implies that the spirit wall that surrounds the Seirete is only there because of the recent chaos and that it was probably protecting the palace the rest of the time. That seems to be the way he put it. And I've never really thought about that, his comments. I've always kind of glazed over them. But what he says is, um, you know, the spirit wall that protects um, th that was protecting uh, the Seirete when you first came in. Yeah. That's kind of new. That's kind of been there because it's been chaotic here recently. So let me ask you, what is it usually protecting? So that makes me think that it's protecting the palace since that's the subject at hand here. So suddenly this huge pillar called Tenchurin, which is heavenly palanquin. Which, I don't know what a palanquin is. It's like some royal thing. There's one in the. They're a fixture in later parts of Steven Universe as well. Um, 
and it's said to contain all of zero division ichigo's confused he's like what that they're all in there and it's like yes they're all in there as there are no soldiers zero division is only captains and then we get to see all of them there's five there's like a big bald monk type guy with uh huge prayer beads around his around his neck there's a kind of chunky lady with spirally cheeks there's this uh kind of serious looking lady with horns there's a smiling guy just the best ever with glasses and then there's like a yakuza looking guy these guys have some crazy designs wild some of the best designs that you're gonna see in bleach so Zero Division makes a pretty boisterous entrance, which is not what you expect. It's not what I expected. I was kind of like, so these guys are a bunch of clowns. Okay, that's fine. Shinji says exactly the same thing before getting smacked in the head by the large woman. He initially doesn't recognize her, but she but he comes to realize that she is Kirio Hikifune, former captain of Division 12. She's mentioned briefly in the uh, little mini arc, Turn Back the Pendulum, when they're all still in Soul Society. Because that takes place not long after she was promoted to Zero Division. She, that's actually when it's mentioned. I think maybe the first time Zero Division is mentioned expressly. She is promoted to Zero Division and she is replaced by Kisuke Urahara. So, this is kind of a funny pa uh, panel. The Yakuza looking dude goes to greet Unohana. It's all shaded menacingly and stuff. His massive pompadour. It's, it, this dude looks like Space Dandy if Space Dandy was like, I don't know, kind of mean looking. <laughs> His pompadour wraps around the back of Unohana's head. It took me quite a few years to realize that was happening, and it, it gets it it gets a giggle out of me every time. So he's asking her if she perfected the healing techniques he taught her, and then, of course, she confirms. But he then, in a very blameful tone. He asks her why they just lost so many. And <laughs> again, this is another this is another moment where Unohana it's um it's a glare. It's not ultra menacing, but it's it's menacing because this whole time she's been built as someone who has an aura about her that she like could stare holes through people. Or like when they're when they're going to when they when she goes to uh, Huecomundo, the exquisitas the the executor guys, they don't even fuck with her. Like they see her and they they just kind of like, oh no, we're not gonna like engage you. We're smarter than that. But <laughs> they still, I think they still give a warning, but they just say, okay, cool, we're gonna. Just move along. It's like everybody walks on eggshells around Unohana. This guy doesn't. He don't give a fuck. He he comes for the jugular at her. And she she gives him a stare that is it's pretty scary. 
But then that huge monk suddenly interjects, and it looked the panel before it looks like he's about to punch him. But then you see he just like threw his arm around his sh- over his shoulder, which had which he had his fist balled up, which is kind of like that. I mean, it's a little much, but it's st- it's still it still works. It's fine. Um. So then Kyoraku shows up to welcome them and ask them why they have come. The monk looks straight past him and acknowledges Ichigo like, you know, you you must be Ichigo Kurosaki. And he states that they are going to rebuild the Gote 13 and Ichigo is going back to the palace with them. So here we go again. Soyphone sounds off like just pissed. Accusing them of lazing about in the palace while they were demolished. The Yakuza guy. Now remember, I I don't think I've mentioned this, but Soyphone is one of the fastest captains in the Seireite. The Yakuza guy suddenly just zips behind her, restraining her. Just out of nowhere. He outspeeds her and she has no idea how he got there. He tells her to shut up. And then he takes a very serious tone. He says it's their job to protect the palace. And it's the Gote 13's job to protect the Seireite. He continues to admonish her. Just like. Just like how pathetic is it that you fail to do your job. And then you, you got the audacity to try and berate us. For coming down here to clean up your mess? But before he gets too far, the monk smacks him in the head. It's pretty funny. Then the strange woman with horns, she shows up. She's got these six, I think, skeletal arms. You don't see human arms where they should be. You see these, like, skeleton arms, like Doc Ock, if Doc Ock was an anime character and a lady. um. Well, I guess Doc Ock has been a lady in certain universes. Anyways, anyways. So in the arms, she has uh, Renji, Byakuya, and Rukia in some sort of pods, along with one additional one that we don't know what's in it quite yet. She says all that's left is to grab Ichigo. Unohana tells them, that they can't take those three because they're in no condition to leave the Seirete. To which the Yakuza guy tells her that she can't get it done with her skills. They can't get it done in the Seirete. He will heal them. He also says that she she shouldn't be focused on healing. And he even calls her by her first name. He calls her Retsu. So that's some kind of ominous foreshadowing. She looks kind of mournful, like she knows she has something awful that she has to deal with, which we will see sooner than later. Pretty soon, pretty soon we're going to get into whatever that is. So. Kurutsuchi notices the final pod contains Tensa Zangetsu, meaning that this woman snuck into his lab to get it. 
she's then revealed to be uh, Sinjumaru Shutara. And she proceeds to call the lab security soft, which annoys Kurutsuchi because everything annoys him. So Ichigo then, of course, questions why they need him if the trip is for healing. To which the monk says they're taking him for a different reason. And then suddenly, Urahara pops up from f- some f- freaking where. Like, we don't, we don't see quite yet. But it turns out he's being projected from out of Cone's head. Cone is like a tiny little lion plushie. <sighs> so it throws everybody off that this is happening. Kurutsuchi then snaps his fingers and has his goons apprehend Cone to disable the projection. However, Urar is one step ahead and disables the controls. Annoying Kurutsuchi. Take a drink every time something annoys Mayuri Kurutsuchi in Bleach. You will be blind by the end of the night. Um. Orhime and Chad, they check in. Just glad that Ichigo's okay. You know, letting them know that they're okay. And then suddenly, there's another person there. Someone hostile. Someone kind of riled up and aggressive that Ichigo recognizes and questions Urahara as to why he's with him. Now, Urahara stops him and ensures him they're fine in Huecomundo and that he can decide for himself what he really wants to do. Urahara is always so... So fucking um, cryptic with all of his speaking. Like he'll be all, you know, fanning himself and stupid and blushing and shit. And then all of a sudden he gets real serious and you get the shade over the over the eyes. It's like when he was like, oh, hey, Akon, how are you doing? Or how are things going over there? And then by the end, he's like, I know what's happening. So let me go back to my last question. How are you doing over there? And it's like, Urahara just gets you with that shit. Every time. And he's basically telling Ichigo that he he will be able to decide what he really wants to do. Like, what, where his path is going to lead. Before signing off, he further says that that person and he have reached an agreement, so there's no worry. Urahara knows that Ichigo doing what he wants will lead to him protecting everyone. Ichigo then asks the monk of uh, if Zangetsu can be fixed, to which he says it cannot be fixed, but rather rehammered with a special reijutsu technique in the palace. So that's when Ichigo says that he will go to the Soul King Palace. Now, let's address this aggressive character. If you watched Bleach and you're all the way caught up and you're reading along with this right now, you know who the fuck this is. I knew who the fuck this is. I knew immediately reading through. Now, 
The difference is in the scans. Again, it's good to have this insight because there's some things that that jumped out to me when I first read through. Um, and now I've read through a couple other times through the official scans and there's some big differences. Um, maybe it was intentional to make it less obvious who it is, though. You can, you can figure it out by looking at the panels. It makes sense to just look at the panels and you can figure it out. In the officials, it's kind of like. He kind of walks in, the, the, the person kind of walks in and goes, who are you talking to in here? So this is where you were. Who are you talking to? Is that Ichigo? I can hear him. And it's like, it's, it's hostile, but it's not overly aggressive. I call it aggressive because I remember the scan the manga panda scan I read. Where he walks in, he's like, who are you talking to in here? Who is that? Kurosaki, is that you, you bastard? I know that's you. And as soon as I read that, I was like, holy shit. Oh my God, I know who that is. <laughs> if, if, you di- if you didn't know, now you know. Now you have an idea of who that is. I'm not telling you right now. You are free to skip ahead. You are free to Google whatever. But as far as this is concerned, we going through the story, motherfucker. I'm going to treat you like I am telling you the story as I see it happening. I am treating this story as though I have never truly finished it. And I don't know anything. I do. And I will tell you I know stuff, but I ain't going to tell you jack. You'll just have to wait and see in a couple months. Uh, hmm, no, it's not going to be a couple months. When? I don't know. Anyways, see, I'm spoiling stuff inadvertently. So, after this, they go to Kukaku's place. We haven't seen her in a long time. This confuses the shit out of Ichigo. He's like, why in the fuck are we here? Now, Kukaku. Um, Kukaku helped. Kukaku originally helped Ichigo break into the Seirete during the Soul Society arc. Now, I'm going to complete the story from this chapter and then I'm going to have to circle back because this last little bit is going to give me something else that I have to explain. So, in a roundabout way, they kind of explain that the Tenchurin had no means to return to the palace. So, it has to come to Kukaku so she can blast it back up to the palace. And Ichigo also asks, where is Ganju, who is Kukaku's brother that helped them in the Soul Society arc in infiltration and helped them in their fights? He had, I can't remember what his abilities are. He's not a soul reaper. He has some interesting abilities. To this, um, Kukaku loves her brother, but he kind of pisses her off. So she says that, um... He turned into a giant stone, so she's using him as, I think, a flag holder. Ichigo says, you are a t- 
terrible liar. So, she sends them off on their way. Ganju appears, wondering if it was the right thing to send Ichigo on his way. And Kukaku says that it had to be done even if it would have made Uncle sad. And she then yells to some un- unseen people that they need to get back to training, get back to the what's something. She's got names for everything, like the Kukaku special death training uh, camp or whatever. And then it's shown that, one, Ganju has grown a bit. He seems more muscular, a little bit older. Uh, well, he's a spirit, so not older, but like his hair is longer. He He's changed. And he's shown to be there with the fucking Fullbringers that died. He is there with Kugo, uh, Kugo Ginjo, uh, Giriko, and uh, Tsukishima. And it's not one of those things like they're shadowed figures. No, there's a guy in a coat with the fur lining. There's obviously a butler. And then there's a dude, a skinny dude with a sword. It's them. You know. And Ganji just goes, hell yeah. And, um. Meanwhile, the Zero Division arrives at the palace. Now. Let me touch on something. I can't remember if I mentioned it, but Ichigo's dad was a soul reaper. Um, that's kind of revealed early on. Uh, Ichigo's dad, Ishin, is a soul reaper. We don't know anything else at this point. We just know that he's a soul reaper, and it's really mysterious. He has a zanpakuto and everything. We just don't know what the deal is. Like. What happened? Now, since I'm pretty sure there's not really a huge touch on anything else here, I will go ahead and put this out there. When she says, even if it would make Uncle sad, they're talking about Ishin. Ishin Shiba. Ishin Kurosaki, his original name is Ishin Shiba. Kukaku is Kukaku Shiba. Her and Ganju are um, basically niece and nephew to Ishin. And they had another brother whose name was Kayan. He was in Division 13, but he ended up being killed by... uh, I can't remember the Hollow's name, but it ended up becoming... um, What you call it? Um... Arenero uh, Arueri, the ninth Espada. <laughs> so, yeah, there's a little bit of a family tree. So, for all the people who looked at Kayin and said, wow, another guy that looks a lot like Ichigo, there's a reason for that one. They are cousins? Yes. Yes? Because your nieces and nephews Yes, your nieces and nephews are going to be your child's cousins. Yes, I know how family bonds work. I understand it. I am here for it. And that's what I have for you. So, let's 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 take this thing out. 
So here they are in Reoku, or the Soul King Palace. Ichigo's just in wonder, just in awe of the whole thing, because it's it's kind of crazy. Like let me let me try and set the scene, because this is this is quite a fucking location. So it's all floating in the air, obviously. But you see like these uh, five flying saucers in the air, and in the center of them is like a tower. Um, and that's all still above where they are currently. It's not just out in front. It is above still. So the monk tells Ichigo that he should be proud as not many people get to see the palace. And Ichigo then remembers, he's he's like, wait, Oaken, which is the king's key. That's what Aizen was trying to create with his whole plot, with the Hogyoku and everything. Ichigo remembers the Oaken being necessary to enter, and he questions when they used it. The monk then reveals that Oaken is the Zero Division member's bones that have been altered by the power of, as they call him, Reo, or the Soul King. Anytime in Japanese when you hear O added on the end of something, there's an O, that means king. And whatever comes before is whatever they're the king of. Like, Hihio, I'm pretty sure is like, Baboon King? I can't remember. Um, but yeah, that's how that works. Uh, and then I think Kaizukuo is, Kai, is King of Pirates. Because I'm pretty sure Kaizuku is Pirate. So he continues that the only way into the palace is to be either let in by them or to come in with them. Saying that Aizen essentially tried to create them. And Sinjumaru then adds that Aizen is evil personified. But the Quincy's will be a far worse foe. Which is scary because Aizen was up there. Next up, the Yakuza guy is going to blast Ichigo somewhere. He's just like, all right, I'm going to blast you. Ready? Three, two, one. Ichigo's like, whoa, 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 hold, hold the fuck up. Stop. What is happening? Many questions. Um, The guy just goes off on Ichigo. Dude's got a hair trigger tempered. He's just like, what are you stupid your ears don't work <laughs> um and then he gets smacked by hikifune the yakuza guy does and she tells him to explain properly so they kind of they kind of help to explain that they're at the palace entrance which leads to the main shrine pointing out that pointing out the greater palace above, which is the tower in the middle, which is where the Soul King lives. Then the five floating saucers are Raiden, I guess is how you pronounce it, which each member, which is, which are the domains of each member of the zero, zero division. And they basically contain an entire city on them. The Yakuza man says that Ichigo will first go to Kirinden, which is his domain. And once they get there, they end up in a hot spring. Because it's time for a bath. We got dirty. 
our 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 bones are aching. We've got some uh, bumps and bruises, and it's time for a nice hot spring bath because I. It's been a long time since they had one since Soul Society arc. Fitting that they would have have another time to get into the the hot tub in Soul Society. Fitting. So, of course, Ichigo is yelling about what they're doing there because it seems stupid and it seems like a waste of time. He then realizes that the others who were injured there are also in the water, submerged underwater. Like, Biakuya floats, he like bobs up to the surface, and uh, the Yakuza guy's like, Huh. Whoops. Just pushes him back underwater. Pulls up Renji's like, Renji's here too. And then Rukia's is there. It kind of... He kind of makes a... He kind of makes kind of a perverted joke. Rukia's is like floating face down. So her like, her butt is in the air. And... Ichigo's kind of like, in a little bit of peril noticing... That and also that these other people that Byakuya and Renji are there as well. Um, the Yakuza guy looks at him and he goes, are you going to say it's like a peach? <laughs> and he just goes like, shut up. And then the Yakuza guy halts Ichigo and says, if you're not going to say that, then shut the hell up. This dude is cool. He's he's funny. He he gets funny at times, and then he just cut the shit. Straight serious. So, he explains that submerging them in this water, it will squeeze the damaged spiritual pressure and the blood out of them. And he points out this bubbling red hot spring nearby called Blood Pond Hell. And he explains the spring they're currently in is called white bone hell and it drains out the blood and the red one replenishes the blood. This process is is repeated over and over until the healing process is complete. Um, the damaged blood will be removed and replaced with the water from the spring and I guess become their new blood. And he also says, you remember Urahara and Uroichi's little playground? Didn't they have a hot spring similar to this in there? And Ichigo remembers during his training in the Soul Society arc, they had a hot spring that could heal him. And after this, I can finally stop saying the Yakuza guy. And I can, I can call him by his revealed name. Tenjiro Kirinji. He tells Ichigo to shut up and bathe. And elsewhere, we close off. It's not really a it's not really a huge cliffhanger, but it is something important. There's an attendant meeting with the Soul King. Man. Oh. This was such an exciting time for Bleach because it's like 
it's like there's so many things going on. I mean, Yamamoto has been killed. Well, okay, okay, okay. Hold on, hold on. If you remember, I kind of, I kind of sighed when that soldier gave the report that Byakuya and Kimpachi had survived. Yes, I get it. They are main characters. Kimpachi especially is going to have moments later on. But for me, at the time of reading, I was very disappointed. The one time I ever really, really wanted someone to die was during while reading Bleach. The one time I wanted someone to die because it would have been meaningful. It would have been impactful was I wanted Byakuya to die here. I wanted him to die and not for Rukia to try and like avenge her brother, but to try and uphold the Kuchki name in his honor or something. That's what I wanted to see because I thought he was done. Now, I will say this. There's another moment later on that makes me that kind of dampens this feeling a bit it makes me feel better about him surviving but i also i'm not sure how because i'm not a fucking writer but i also wonder if there's a way that we could have gotten there even with byakuya dying i don't know but i i don't know that frustrated me but no this was a Time to be alive for this. A character has returned that you're pretty sure you know who it is. You're almost like 95% sure at the very least, but they haven't revealed enough to reveal who it is. In my eyes, they gave enough. You've got the Zero Division coming down from on high. They're these weird, interesting looking characters very different um you're going to get a lot of soul society history from these people um and then the the just what happens with ichigo being a quincy it's insane there's so much there's so much to digest in these stretches of chapters and Next time, I guess we're going to see how Ichigo fares in White Bone Hell and Blood Pond Hell. And um, what else does the Soul King Palace hold in store for him? We'll find out next time on Monochrome Manga. Thanks for listening, and uh, yeah, I'm having fun. We're having fun. I'll see y'all next week.